Thanks for loading up this episode of the World Extreme Medicine podcast, the podcast for health professionals from all walks of life who are pursuing an adventurous and extraordinary career. I'm your host, Dr. Will Duffin. Now, we love speaking to medics in our network that are getting in amongst it and making it happen. And in this episode, I'm speaking to Dr. Elizabeth Thorne. She's 28. She's a junior doctor. She graduated from St. George's Medical School in London in 2017, and she's now in her F4 year. If you're in the UK, you'll know what that means. And she's just applied for core surgical training, and she's been able to build expedition medicine into her career, including an interest in sports and exercise medicine. And Lizzie is a true medical maverick. Instead of joining the traditional training treadmill, Lizzie has escaped and taken part in lots of different overseas projects and expeditions, including medical cover for sporting events in Jordan and Sri Lanka. And she was a core member of the WEM medical team for filming of the world's toughest race with Bear Grylls out in Fiji. You can find Lizzie on Instagram at uh, at the adventure doctor and uh, she's currently out uh, in uh, working in the emergency department in George which is in the western cape of South Africa which is where she's joining us from now. Lizzie hello and welcome. Hi thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Now, I'm just seeing on the screen, it's blazing sunshine outside. And I understand you've been out already on a spectacular morning run. Tell me how that went. Yeah, so um, at the moment, there is a semi-lockdown here. There's a curfew um, from 9pm to 6am. So we usually set off at 5.15, but currently we're setting off at 6. And um, yeah, we just run in the, as the sun's rising and through the Whitfontaine Mountains, um, yeah, it's amazing. It's very different to the London streets I'm used to running on. <laughs> yeah, bashing those London streets. You're, it, it's great that you've got the outdoors there and you're making the most of it. Yeah. So Lizzie, we'd love to hear uh, about your career so far and, and some of the opportunities that you've created for yourself and, uh, and why you've, you've chosen the, the career route that, that you have. Uh, let's start with uh, one of the coolest things you've done recently, which was working out in Fiji uh, on the Eco Challenge, the world's toughest race. Um, how did you get involved with that? So, yeah, that was one of the most incredible experiences I've been a part of. Um, it was actually, interestingly, via social media. I was just scrolling through and I follow the WEM Instagram page. And I saw an advert saying they were looking for volunteers and doctors to go out and help create a medical team in Fiji for um, an event. And I thought, I was at work at the time and I could see the deadline was that evening at midnight. And I turned around to my boss and I was like, I was like, boss, I have to apply for this. Please give me an extra half hour break. I just have to. And I told him all about it and they was very supportive. And he let me go. Um, and type up my application and then I wangled another colleague of mine in to film me because we also had to do a little one minute video clip like introducing ourselves um, so I sent that off and I did not think in a million years I would be chosen you know how everything goes through your mind but um, my dad and mum have always raised me to, to be proactive and to always ask because if you don't ask you don't know and then you don't get and I was like I'm just going to go for it so I submitted my application with a very cheesy one minute video 
And um, yeah, a few weeks later, I heard that myself and three other people had been selected and oh, it was ecstatic. I was ecstatic. Yeah. Great. So you ended up out in Fiji with uh, the medical team and uh, tell us what that was like. It was um, it was just fascinating and it was a really nice to meet other people that have an interest in expedition medicine and adventure racing um, because sometimes you feel like you might be one of the only ones that doesn't want to follow the traditional path that is set out by like the NHS training system um, and you think oh is this the right thing is this possible can I do this alongside training and I met these wonderful wonderful people who have been doing such interesting things for so many years it hasn't jeopardized their career at all and it gave me more inspiration to things like this um yeah it was really lit can you think of um uh, any particular uh, medical uh, treatments that you gave to, to some of the competitors were can you give an example of what kind of uh, things you were you were up against you, you were dealing with when you're out uh, on that particular race yeah so this race was a 10-day race um, over 600 kilometers through the entirety of Fiji running cycling climbing um, canoe everything um, and they were going through dry terrain wet terrain and ultimately when you're putting your body through that much strain and uh, in the wild with everything that you're going to use on your back ultimately there are going to be injuries there are going to be um, dehydration there's going to be just multiple things that they're up against that they might require medical input for and there's a big range of competitors people that do adventure racing for a career and then people that entered into adventure racing for that trip um so initially we had training in rescue techniques and we actually had a helicopter rescue training whereby they taught us how the helicopters work and how we're sitting in them and using the headsets but then also going on from that how to then be suspended from a very tiny wire to go down into a place that might not be so easily accessible by land to then um, go in and help someone who might be injured or requiring medical assistance and to then also attach them to what's required to then also be heli lifted out of that particular area. And so you then, actually got to be dangled from the helicopter on the wire. Yeah, yeah. But that was fun. It was very terrifying at first because you're thinking, how can this tiny wire support me? And then they're like, OK, let's add another person. Oh, now let's add another person with a stretcher. And it's just, I know they do it day in, day out. These um, helicopter pilots can manoeuvre these helicopters so finely, considering it's such a big machine, um, mm. very skillful. And that and um, there were a few people that got injured and had to like leave the race because of that they couldn't continue and there's also a few people that got infections and needed IV antibiotics um, rather than just simple oral antibiotics and they got a bit poorly yeah okay and um, so you're out in Fiji and you've, you've done quite a lot of other medical cover for other uh, adventure races Could you give us a, a flavor of some of the other things you've done as well Lizzie yeah, so prior to Fiji, I um, had done a few treks. I had hiked up um, Mount Tukbal in um, the Atlas Mountains. And I also was a medic on a few ultramarathons um, where there's 50 to 100 people that have decided they want to um, 
run an ultramarathon, that's anything over marathon. And the ones I was a part of was um, stage ultramarathon. So overall, they ran 250 kilometers over five days um, in different um, terrain. So one was in Sri Lanka and um, another one was in Jordan in the Wadi Rum Desert. She gone from a very hot, humid environment to a very dry, sandy environment. Um, I've also been lucky enough to be a part of a charity called Simon's Mango Tree, uh, which set up by the anaesthetists and the surgeons at Norfolk Park Hospital. And they have a very close connection to one of the hospitals in Ghana, um, where they go out and offer their assistance in planned surgeries. They'll also help out if there's an emergency at the time, but their surgeons are quite capable of dealing with them because sadly, because they do have emergencies that their planned procedures actually get bumped and the waiting list gets longer. So that's where that, that charity comes in to help there. So, yeah. You've done a remarkable number of different things, Lizzie, in a relatively short space of time. How have you managed to uh, balance all of those overseas trips and opportunities with your kind of day job, if you like, with the work that you've been doing back in London hospitals in the UK? Yeah, so um, originally I, of course, did my foundation year training. And actually after medical school was when I first did my first exhibition wilderness medicine course to... And become more knowledgeable and more equipped to be able to then um, go on and to become an expedition medic. And I, once I got my full registration after F1, I put feelers out, I sent emails and I told everyone about um, my training, what I was doing. And then someone asked for my assistance along with a few other medics um, to do an ultramarathon in Sri Lanka. And I was still working a full-time rotor at the time. And I just begged and pleaded all my colleagues and my rotor coordinator that I could move my shifts around um, to get those 14 days off. And I've been very lucky. Um, I have very supportive team members, very supportive colleagues that would change with me. Um, and then following that, um, the ball just started rolling and I got more offers and more opportunities. And then I decided rather than to go straight into training, I needed more time to be able to say yes to as many of these opportunities as possible. So I decided to take time out of training and go into what we call F3 year and F4 year. Um, and I'd always had in the back of my mind to return to South Africa after I did my elective here. So I started that ball rolling as well in F2 to start an application to work here as a doctor. So, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. So you started out on a kind of rotor and you were kind of pleading with the, the, the rotor managers to give you time off so you could go away and it all got a bit tricky. So then you, you, you moved into being a, a locum. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So that um, gave you the flexibility to, um, to, to take all these opportunities, say yes, say yes more. Yes, 100%. Because luckily, as a locum doctor, you choose your hours, you choose when you want to work, um, be it day shift, be it night shift, whichever you prefer. And I locumed at the hospitals I'd worked at previously, and they um, were very welcoming. And um, so you know the system, you know the people that you're working with. Um, if there's spare shifts going, um, they're on the apps that you use, or they call you or phone you, and you can say, yes, I'm free, no, I'm not free. And they also now know about the things I do extra. So they are, it's, they're also invested in me doing these things. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm hoping to go and work in South Africa. And we met one of the managers in the a &E I work in in the UK. Like, tell me more, tell me all about it. When are you going? I need to live vicariously through you. Um, 
yeah, it's really lovely. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It resonates for me, Lizzie, because I'm 36 now. I'm a GP. Uh, like you, I made that transition away from regimented training, uh, and, and I, I became a locum to to allow that flexibility to take these kind of trips that you you've been doing. And I've never looked back. I'm still a locum now, and it's still, it's great to have ownership of your time and not be beholden to the rotor managers that don't, you know, it can be quite a tricky negotiation, can't it, to, to get time off to, to do these things. Um, brilliant. So um, let's, let's move now on to uh, any top tips that you've got. So you've, for, for other medics coming through, perhaps uh, other junior doctors or medical students that are thinking, oh, I love what you've been doing, Lizzie. I'd love to have a, a more interesting and varied career. I'd love to pursue of interest outside of just a kind of conventional clinical medicine. Um, have you got any other top tips for how they might follow in your footsteps, so to speak? Yeah. Um... So I think nowadays, extradition and wilderness medicine is growing as an interest, if not a speciality in itself. Um, whereas when I was at university, I didn't really hear about being able to do these things until in my final few years, when I started to do a little Google search and work out um, what else I could do alongside medicine. Because I'd recognize that once you decide to do medicine, even before that, your path is set for you. It's a very... Um, like you say, regimented pathway whereby you go to medical school, you do your five or six years or four if you're doing graduate entry. You then enter straight into F1, F2, and then you apply for training. You go, 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 go. And you don't really know if you can step away from that or if it's allowed, so to speak. Um, so I started to look a bit more, and I love adventure and I love travel and sport. And I saw there was um, an exhibition words in medicine course. So I was like, I've got to do this. And even more so, it was half price for students. I was like, got to do it now. <laughs> um, so I did it in my final, just as I finished my final year of medicine. And it was so intriguing and strange. And you meet these people that have worked on shows, on trips um, with Bear Grylls or David Attenborough. And they tell you these very like entertaining, interesting stories. They also tell you about how to adapt to being in the middle of nowhere how to make a stretcher out of two strong sticks and two ja rain jackets that you might be wearing. And you just get more and more like pulled in um, and more and more interested, more and more wanting to be a medic that does something like this. And um, so I would say join at university to any exhibition wilderness or adventure medicine group there might be. I know now that a lot of universities that students have started those societies they weren't there when I was at university, but now even my university has one of them, the one I was at. Um, then look at a course you could do um, and also look at opportunities you can do as a medical student. You can do your electives and these things. The Fiji World Challenge, um, World Toughest Race trip, we had two medical students that came along as well for experience and they, they were incredible. They had the time of their life and they've now gone back and they have these stories to tell and they then have this inspiration to then go on and do something similar and tell others and um, then once you've done your course and personally as well I wanted to be as prepared as possible I knew that I was a very junior doctor and I wanted to make sure that I had the capabilities to look after people abroad and um, if that was the case so I bought books I educated myself I listened to seminars I watched um, 
things online and things now that you can find on your web academy you can look at them and I did my I made sure I did, had my ALS done I made sure I had my ATLS I've done basic surgical skills because sometimes you do need to suture and do things out and um, I made sure that I had things available electronically on my phone for like quick lookups um I yeah so things like that and then once you are confident once you're happy um you pick people's brains and you also then go on to tell companies that you are available to work with them and um send emails and emails and emails you might not hear back you might so not you got to put it out there you have to put it out there you have to say um i want to be your expedition medic for your trip and they probably got one already but one time there might be that case where that expedition medic is on another trip or they've got work or they've got commitments and they're like oh who was that person that emailed last week or last month let's see if they're available yeah and then also you can look to see other people that you might know who work on these trips already and they might be looking for someone else to go with them to help yeah yeah it's really, i think the courses are a really key part of that it's a great way to 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 learn as well if if it's the kind of work that you'd be interested in you can speak to people like lizzie who've who've done it and they've been there and they can also help mentor you when we provide in normal times loads of courses in the uk and overseas so check out the, our website worldextrememedicine.com if you want to learn more about the courses we have on offer um but, but also you've you've touched also on the the value of just getting out there and and, and just making yourself visible and approaching being proactive in approaching potential employers potential uh, opportunities um i remember when i first started like you lizzie i i just said i just emailed every uh, expedition uh trekking company i could i could find on the internet and i just emailed them and i must i think i emailed 17 in one go and i think one of them got back to me and we're like yeah we'll, we'll, we'll do an interview and i ended up i ended up working for them for four years and i went on loads of amazing trips with them and it's great that's discover adventure and uh just it was just incredible so it's sometimes it's a numbers game isn't it you've just got to kind of throw throw it out there and see what comes back yeah absolutely yeah great and um uh your um, you, you've, you've also touched there on, on a key attribute of what makes a good expedition medic, Liz. You talked about that kind of adaptability, that versatility, you know, being able to think slightly outside the box. Can you think of any other you know, really important attributes of what makes a good expedition or race doctor? Yeah, I think, uh, like you say, um, proactivity and um, being hardworking. It's, it's not an easy job because there's a lot of work to do even prior to an event. You've got to talk to all the participants that are going on it. You've got to do a medical health check. You've got to know the area you're going to. You have to know the resources of the area and what you are able to take with you and what you're possibly not able to take with you. From that as well, you've got to work out evacuation plans and you've got to also talk to local hospitals and local um, rescue um, companies for in case that might happen. So you've got to have organization is a very, key skill hard work proactive um i think you've also got to be flexible you in um medicine we get taught a lot of protocols this is the right way this is the wrong way so we become very used to um knowing this is our pathway but when you're doing a trek or an expedition you have to be flexible with the company you're working with because they have a service to provide so you've got to really know what you are there for and you are there to provide a healthcare 
um, provision. And so your priority is the health of the participants, uh, the health and safety of the participants. So that's where you stand. And that's where your job is. So you don't want to like override or um, go above your area of your expertise. Um, so you work very closely with the other people in the companies you're working with. I also think um, you've just got to be a friendly and approachable person. Your, a lot of these trip, trips went planned correctly and all the uh, trekkies have been done beforehand, um, all the recce's have been done beforehand. Um, they should go smoothly. Um, and most of the time you're happy and you're walking through this beautiful mountainscape and you don't expect many people to get hurt or injured. Um, but there are people who sometimes suffer with um, emotional um, needs and mental health needs. And so you have to be able to be approachable for those aspects as well. It's not just um, emergencies and evacuations. So, yeah. Yes, that's a really good point. Yeah, everyone looks at expedition medicine, thinks it's all Kazavax with helicopters and you're spending your whole time dangling off lines and uh, <laughs> it's all very sexy and, and high octane. But actually, the day to day is very different, isn't it? It's often, especially with races, lots of uh, blisters and foot care and and uh, lots <laughs> of mental health. <laughs> foot care is my bread yeah. and butter. If anyone asked yeah. me, uh, <laughs> yeah. I could not tell you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, feet, that's another tip to give people. Know how to deal with feet because okay. prevention is better than cure. Then teach everyone else on that trip how to look after their feet because it will save you a lot of time in the whole trip <laughs> yeah top tip that and um uh expedition or uh, medical event cover opportunities aren't all the same are they uh sometimes you have to be a bit cautious uh, and you have to really scrutinize that opportunity to make sure that you know your involvement is it's it's safe and appropriate for you to be involved with, with that particular project. Can you give any tips to prospective medics who are, who are weighing up an opportunity that they've, they've managed to create for themselves? What kind of questions should they be asking that organization to make sure that it's a good one? Yeah, so when I was starting off, um, actually someone said this to me and it stayed with me. As a doctor, you have trained, you've given up your social life, you've given up your um, hobbies sometimes, and you've trained for a very, very long time to get where you are now. And then you've also then paid for loads of extra courses. So you've paid for your education, you've paid for your courses, and now you've got an interest in expedition and wilderness medicine, and a company will be asking you to help them. You've got to work out how they want you to work with them and if they then come to you and say okay can you be our medic but can you pay for your flights pay for all the equipment and pay for all the medications you've got to think ah hold on that's a lot out of my own pocket for a service that I am providing to then also help them and make sure that they can run their trip because actually they've got a trip which requires a medic and they have to recognize the worth and value of having a medic on their expedition um, and these medical kits, they are not cheap and the medications are not cheap. And also used by dates do not last forever. Um, so I personally believe that you should never be out of pocket for doing one of these trips. When starting, you can do them for, for free, let's say, but as long as your trip is paid for in terms of the flights, the kit, the medication, the insurance as well, you have to get insurance. Don't go without insurance. Um, then it could be a 
good deal and appropriate for you to go. Um, and then eventually, I think it's becoming because these companies are earning money out of doing this trip, I appreciate charities are something completely different. If you're going with a company um, and you have to put bread on your table and if you're not working, let's say, in a full-time job, then will be the time you might then say, okay, let's look at maybe a salary as well. Yeah, I think that's really sound advice there, Lizzie. I mean, the majority, uh, you know, certainly in the charity uh, trekking sector, there is quite an established um kind of format there's lots of there's a whole network of medics that do that kind of work uh and it's fairly it's it's good and it's safe and it's all the, the provision for for medics is 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 there but there are quite a few cowboy outfits if you like there's quite there's few different actors in that space who are looking to recruit medics who perhaps haven't used a medic before and they uh they might expect you to bring your own medical kit they might expect you to pay for your own flights um maybe in your own lodging uh, and perhaps expect you to operate outside of your area of expertise. And Lizzie, you, you rightly touched on the importance of working with at your level of, of competency. Um, so if you're going to work in a very remote area, we're expected to deliver quite a, a, a high level, a high acuity of care. Um, just think about whether that is the right trip, especially if it's your first uh, foray. Um, it's much better to go with an outfit that's much more established, that's used doctors before and is going to take good care of you uh, if, if things do go, uh, go south on you when you're out there. And on that note as well, um, in terms of if you are one of only two doctors on a trip or even one, I am um, going into this field and going to conferences such as the WEN conference or um, going on these um, courses, that gives you a community that also do similar um, trips and also work in similar field. And I very much had consultants turn around to me and say well Lizzie if you're stuck on anything you phone me and I will help you and you have to make sure you have the right communications in an area as well so if that means getting a satellite phone you make sure there's a satellite phone um GPRS trackers things like that um so yeah I've been very lucky in the support I have and actually some of them are from your WEM faculty so I'm very grateful for that yeah, it's really nice to hear you say that, Lizzie. I mean, at WEM, this is a, one thing we really try to engender is that sense of community uh, and this this sense that we're all coming at this these this these very diverse range of different work opportunities from different backgrounds. You know, it's, we're with nursing, paramedic colleagues are all here doing this kind of work as well. And there's so much we can learn from each other as a community. So that's a really key part of, of what we're doing here by sharing, sharing the love, sharing the knowledge and supporting each other. Um, let's move on now, Lizzie, to what you're doing right now. So you are working in the emergency department out in South Africa. Now, that must have been quite a transition from you know, working in the NHS in, in London. Tell me what that move has, has been like. Yeah, um, so I had always had a dream to come back to South Africa. I was here for my elective. Um, in Cape Town and I actually did it in obstetrics and gynaecology so very different to emergency medicine and very different to expedition medicine although some people might give birth on trips who knows that's maybe not the best time for them to go on a trip but um uh so yeah and then as my interest developed throughout my foundation years it's like I have to go back I want to go back so originally I planned a trip that would last a year but sadly this year we've seen the COVID pandemic um, so that was delayed and had to be adapted. So now I'm here for three months and I've come from a very comfortable setting where I've worked in the same surgical department, locuming, and the same 
two or three A&E departments back home where I know the system, I know the consultants, I know the referral pathways and the people around me to a brand new place in a brand new country um, with um, everything is different. But also there are similarities as well. You still have referrals, you still have um, the computer systems, you just have to learn the new tricks of the trade and how to use them as such. What I would say is different here is they look after a lot more people in the A&E for a lot longer. So in the UK, we have our four hour target. So that means things have been streamed now to say, okay, you're coming in, I'm triaging you, I'm gonna treat you acutely, and then you're gonna go to surgery. You're gonna go to max fax. You're gonna go to medicine. Whereas here, um, for instance, if there's a stab wound and they have a hemoneumothorax, we will put the chest drain in. They will stay with us for six hours. We'll get them walking, get their lung re-expanding. We'll do another X-ray or we'll remove the chest drain and if they're okay they'll go home whereas in the uk a lot of the time they will be referred because we can't have them in the a e that long so that's something that's slightly different um for me and i was like oh they're not being referred oh okay and it's and it makes sense you know when you see these guys and they go home and they're fine um with safety netting advice uh, so that's something that's slightly different also there's a lot more trauma here um there's a lot more infectious diseases here a lot more TB, a lot more HIV, um, and a lot more like non-compliance with medications, sadly, because the stigma still remains about those illnesses. And from then, obviously, they get AIDS, they get um, the complications of that as well. But what I would say is, in such a difficult time of COVID, they have fantastic referral pathways here to go to a TB clinic um, or to a TB hospital, or even for the COVID um, prioritization schools they have here it's very well done yeah. so a few adjustments there from from the uk system if, if, if the, you mentioned the trauma everyone thinks of south african hospitals you know going out there in ed to, to get your your hands in involved in some kind of you know some meaty trauma have you seen any knives or, or, or knife injuries or, or gunshot wounds or anything uh, you know any dramatic kind of things like yeah. that yeah it's, it's quite a few right i've gone um, so I work in a trauma centre back home, yeah. not a major trauma centre. So I've gone from seeing about one or two stab wounds uh, a month. Never have I seen a gunshot wound in the UK personally. Um, and I've come here and I saw seven, gun, uh, seven stab wounds in a day. I chucked in four intercostal drains to treat those hemoneumothoraxes in that first day. And uh, we also saw a gunshot wound in the first week who incredibly survived despite it um, nicking her aorta, her liver, um, they had and a kidney and her spleen. And I do not know how lucky, she was so lucky and um, it was fantastic. A&E resuscitation and then went straight through to theatres and they had an explorative laparotomy and she's now been referred to a tertiary centre. Um, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very young, very young. Yeah. She was in her 20s. So, um, uh, very, very fortunate for her yeah. and hope to make a good recovery. And yeah. um, we also, I had um, a gentleman who was stabbed in his chest, lateral to his sternum, and it went through his heart. So, I saw they did a thoracotomy, what they call a front room thoracotomy. And um, it's sort of a last ditch attempt to save a life when they've lost 
Um, for those that aren't medics that have lost output in front of you, there's an obvious sharp in injury. And on the echo, on the ultrasound, you could see blood around the heart. Um, and the surgeons were there. So the court surgeons were called straight away. And they came, they sutured the heart closed. And we actually got um, return of spontaneous circulation as well. So that for me was phenomenal because you, you hear about these happening, um, but you don't hear so much about it being successful. So... Yeah, but yeah, things like that. So uh, lots of learning opportunities for you to you know, really get a trauma experience out, out yeah. there uh, as well. Yeah, but, but this must be quite intense. Yeah, it was a big yeah. um, change um, to um, see so much all of a sudden. And um, you just you just get on with it and you do it. But then when you do have a moment to sit back and reflect and you're like, huh, okay. That's, that's now my life. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's quite intense. So, um, yeah, Lizzie, what's next then, do you think? So you've, you've got three months in South Africa. Where would, you, where would you like to see yourself in the next, say, one, two, three years? Gosh, what a question. Um, I want to continue doing expeditions. Um, I am very much a person that if there is an opportunity, I would say to anyone, say yes, go through that door. Um, like try it find out what it's like um go for it and if you don't enjoy it then you don't enjoy it and you can step away from it for me so surgical training hopefully with the hope of some flexibility to continue doing these trips um are more and more now because some people don't do the post f2 year more and more people taking time out after course agile training year two and i can bet your bottom dollar i will also take time out then as well to do something more like this so i guess in three years time i will hopefully be doing something similar to where I am now or Great. yeah another <laughs> and uh, on your Instagram Lizzie you've written uh your, your, your kind of your tagline is never stop dreaming and be kind why are these two things important to you yeah um because if you don't have dreams or aspirations uh, then you don't know what to strive for, what to go for. And I appreciate sometimes you might not know what you want to go for, what to strive for. But for me, I just know that I want to be a medic. I love my job and I want to be able to pass on what I'm able to do, thanks to the people providing me with my knowledge, with my medical license to other places around the world. Um, and I think being kind costs nothing. And I'm a big fan of nice people and kind people ultimately if you're kind that should then be responded to you it should be reciprocated to you and we actually had a brief talk today at work about how if someone calls you and needs help don't don't berate them don't ask why do you not think of this why do you not do that they're calling you for help for a referral for advice and you'd rather them put down that phone and feel at ease rather than feel upset because that will then affect the rest of their day um so yeah that's why <laughs> so be kind to each other now i think especially if you're working i've worked in ed especially if you're trying to refer a patient up into the hospital and you get a very uh austere perhaps unfriendly specialist on the phone <laughs> gives you a, a spanish inquisition and uh may perhaps be unkind in that in that way uh yes let's all be kind to each other both in a professional sense and also in general i i I concur. I think that's a really nice sentiment. 
But uh, Lizzie, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, speak to everyone on the podcast that's listening. It's been, for me, it's been great to celebrate what you've done in your career in in bucking the trend because there's increasing pressure for subspecialization and for that kind of linear training for people to just continue up the training ladder you know get just get that all that training under their belt you know, get to the end of being a consultant and that, that to be the focus but you've shown that it's okay to step sideways and to pursue other interests you're not, clearly not in any great rush you know you're having a a great career you're having some amazing enriching life experiences and I think as a result of all of this you're going to turn out to be a much stronger more rounded uh, clinician you're going to be much less prone to burnout uh, and you're going to have so much more to offer uh, in, in for, for the remainder of your career so it's, it's been uh, it's been really inspiring to to speak to you today so thank you yeah thank you so much I just just to add to that as well, I remember when I told a colleague of mine that I wasn't going to go into training nor find a trust grade job after F2, she was petrified for me. She's like, but what if you don't find work? What if you then can't pay rent and get kicked out? And what if then you go to interview and they say, well, you've taken time out now, so you, you're not committed. It doesn't happen like that at all. Um, as you said, everything you do that adds to you as a person, adds to your experience and your career, it will ultimately help you and people recognize that and more and more it's being accepted now to take the time out and to do these things and I think they see how much it can contribute it can help back to your job as you go forward um, and there is no rush ultimately when you're a consultant you're a consultant it doesn't stop you and by rushing through, you still do everything, but by going slowly, it doesn't stop you from doing other things, from doing publications, from doing trips. Um, but by rushing through, where do you go after that? Um, you're a consultant, you still have a riching, complete things to do, but yeah, there's just something to be said for taking the opportunities and experiences as you go, rather than delaying them and putting them off till when you finish training. So it's all about the journey and not the destination. You can find Lizzie on Instagram. She's at the adventure doctor. And there's some great pictures of all her trips and what she's been up to uh, on there. And we've got lots more guests coming up on the WEMcast and also the WEM Academy live sessions. So uh, check in with our Facebook page and on our website, there's lots more um, uh, coming out um, coming your way so uh, that's um, that's all for today thank you Lizzie and we'll look forward to um, uh, spending some time together exploring more extreme medicine next time bye-bye <laughs>